The following is an extract from The Deadly Guest, a horror novel, by Matt Shaw. Prologue. Tears after midnight. It wasn't the sound Savija Bottle wanted to hear. It had been a long night babysitting her eight-year-old niece. Made worse by worrying about her sister's whereabouts. She'd been due from her date around 11pm. <coughs> she'd known that Sivinja had an early start <coughs> in the morning. A last-minute vocation paid for after winning some money from a game she played with a group of strangers. A sister had asked her what kind of game exactly, but Sivinja had stayed, stayed tight-lipped. That was part of the deal insisted on by the company who had put the game together. Why is silencing the contestants and discussing what they would seen that day? Sivijina pushed the door to Debbie's room open. A little blonde-haired girl was sitting up in a single bed, holding her knees close to her chest. Tears were streaming down her face as she openly sobbed. Sejina approached and perched herself on the edge of the bed. She placed a calming hand on Debbie's knee and asked, Did you have a dream again? Debbie nodded. Sejina had been warned about Debbie's dreams. Up till recently, Debbie used to sleep straight through the night. But since Sejina had said she was going away, Debbie had been played by some by the same recurring dream. When Sejina had been told, she had tried reassuring her niece that she was only going for a month and that, her, that the weeks would fly by, but it didn't help. The dreams continued to haunt her. I don't want you to go, Debbie said. Not for the first time. She brushed her aunt's hand from her knee and leaned forward, cuddling into her instead. Sejina put an arm around her. I'll be back, I'll be back before you know it, Sejina said. Again, not for the first time. No, I don't want you to go, Debbie wept loudly, and buried herself against Sejina's side. Sejina sighed. How now would be a good time for her sister to come home and take over. This is the third nightmare this evening, and whether Debbie wanted her to go or not, it wouldn't change the fact that Sejina was going. She deserved a break. Work had been tough. Her relationship had recently crumbled. And of course, there were all was all she had seen when taking part in the supposed game. Ten six rounds of how much to. She didn't just deserve a break. She needed it too. You're not going, are you? Sejina didn't answer her. She knew Debbie wouldn't like the answer. Even before this evening, Debbie had coolly accused her aunt of not truly caring about her. She didn't care because if she did, she wouldn't go. Debbie said, I won't want you to die. Was that what the dream was about? Debbie nodded. They had always asked Debbie about her dreams, but she never wanted to talk about them. She was worried that if she said them out loud, they'd come true. All her loved ones could do was reassure her that there wasn't premonitions to the future. 
were just horrible dreams. Nothing more, nothing less. Not that Debbie believed them. Holding Eugenia tighter, Debbie repeated, I don't want you to die. Would you like to talk about it? No, because then it might come true. But if you would, if, but what if it would come true either way? It was a new tactic, but something Eugenia hadn't considered before. At this stage, she didn't care if she accidentally made things worse. She knew they couldn't keep going, keep ignoring the dreams and the hope they'd go away by themselves. Maybe by implying they were going to come true. Whether she stays silent or not was the way to go. If you don't tell me what happens in them, I won't know what to keep an eye out for, will I? She continued. If you're not, they are going to come true because you tell me about them. Well, think of it this way. At least I will know what to look out for, right? Debbie pulled away from Judina and looked her in her eyes. Her, her own eyes were red raw, a puffy from crying. Her complexion was pale. Poor girl looked exhausted. And by talking about them, it might help them go away, said Gina pushed. Debbie didn't look too sure. Then she wiped a salty tear from her cheek. As she snaked it way down her face, I took a deep breath in. Slowly she exhaled. Okay, she said. Okay, you want to talk about it? Too relatively unsure, Debbie nodded. Gina smiled. Funny progress. You're in a hotel, Debbie wanted to went on to explain. Part one Restrained Michael Rain was sitting in a hotel's expensive restaurant. His boyfriend Luca had excused himself to go to the bathroom the moment they had been taken to the their table, so Michael was just looking around, taking in the surroundings. There was a guy dressed in a black tuxedo, playing the piano in a far corner of the room. No sheet music in front of him. Apparently the guy had a never-ending catalogue. Restaurant-friendly piano pieces stored to memory. Fair play to him. There were couples and small groups sitting at the tables, dotted around the restaurant, leaving enough empty places between one another to ensure no one felt crammed in. The waiters and the waitresses were walking round with a quick, Yet graceful pace, they tended to the diners. Conversations were mostly hushed, occasional laughing bout from a table over in the far corner, with what looked like four large businessmen enjoying a drink or two, but yes, mostly hushed conservations. Chinks of glass being toasted, cutlery scraping on vine china, general clattering from the kitchen, and busy chefs prepared the fine dinner. Dining that was being ordered that was being ordered from the restaurant. Michael didn't help but feel out of place despite wearing his shirt and trousers. He was an athletic-looking guy with red hair and freckles with almost 80% of his body fat, body covered in tattoos and as far as he could see, this was really his establishment that saw many tattooed patrons. Despite the world moving forward in so many areas, people seemed to fr- still seem to frown on tattoos, at least a certain class of people. The class happened to be the ones who frequented places like this. For them, tattoos still carried a stigma that meant if you had any ink, then you were clearly trouble. I was sure that when, where Luca had got to, Michael turned his attention to the menu in hope of distracting himself away from how self-conscious he was feeling. A moment he turned to the first page, his eyes went wide. 
You good there? Luca had returned from the bathroom. He took his seat opposite his girl boyfriend, made himself comfortable before taking his own own menu, menu up from in front of him. Don't mind me, just having a cronery over the prices. Don't look at the prices. You're not the one paying, are you? Are you sure you can afford this? It's your fortieth birthday. There's no way we're celebrating in some second rate shithole. Only the best for you. Yeah, but you know me, I'm happy with a steak down the local pub. This is well well this is Luca cut him off. You're not having a stinky stringy steak on your fortieth fucking birthday. Quit worrying about the prices. Just go with it. Relax, enjoy yourself, and just know that I have a number of surprises lined up for you today. Oh really? Like what? Lucas smiled. Well, like a room in this hotel. And it's meal. There's two straight off the bat. You have to wait to see what else is lined up. Michael laughs. Well sport. He paused a moment before he clarified. You know you don't have to do this though, right? I know, but I wanted to. I didn't I just don't want you thinking that I expect this kind of Luca held his hands up. Stop. Just choose yourself something to eat and something to drink. Kick back and relax this the treat. I'm treating you. Allow me that. Michael laughed out of embarrassment. I'm sorry. I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed by all this. It's fine, Luca looked down at the men- menu a moment. Fucking hell. You did want bread and water for a birthday meal. Oh, right. I'm not joking. We can go somewhere else. Luca laughed. I was joking. Shut up. I was well aware of the menu before I put us the table. I was just teasing. Michael shifted uncomfortably in his chair. Well, if you're sure. I am so. What size steak do you think you're going for? Michael looked at the steak selection. For the second time in such short manner of space, his heart skipped a beat and noticed the prices. Luca immediately saw what he was do- doing and said, In fact, shut the menu. What? I'm ordering for you. Before Michael could argue, Le- Luca leaned across and took the menu from his partner. Michael just sat there, gave a dumbfounded look upon his face. At least that way, you can't keep looking at the prices, Luca explained. Luca, Michael laughed. Luca knew him too well. Hey, look at this one. Luca passed him a wine menu from the centre of the table. But if you see, if you see, you eyeing up the prices again. I'll be the one choosing. Okay, okay. Michael took the wine list from Luca and opened it. He scanned it for a moment before looking up his boyfriend. Michael, Luca was aware, unaware. Michael was watching him as he gone back to looking to the, at the food menu. Unsure what he fancied, Michael said, "It's bad that I could just skip the meal entirely. Isn't that bad that I could skip the, the meal entirely? Take you up to the room to fuck your brains out until check out time." Luca looked up with a mouth agape. He wasn't sure what I want, Michael had said. He just didn't know what to say to the young waiter who was standing unseen over Michael's shoulder. When Michael realised there wasn't alone, Luca couldn't decide who was the readiest of the out of them. Him or waiter? I'm sorry, Michael said, as he stumbled for words. I thought waiter smiled and cut in. I heard nothing. Before Michael had a chance to ruin the opportunity presented to him, just skip past the awkwardness. The waiter continued, May I take your drink orders? Cocktails, Luca reiterated. I think we need some cocktails. Get his party started in style. Michael looked at Luca. I thought I was choosing the drinks. Luca winked at him. 
That was just to detract you from the food. Luca turned to a waiter and added, We both like the two big estates too, please. Both cook medium. Both with hand-cut chips. You can just leave the, the mushrooms, tomato and any other thing. You won't be assembling a vegetable off the plate. So there's waste. Saves waste. Quickly added, Oh, and the peppercorn sauce. Put it in a jar on the side. Just one. I don't like it. He does, but he he likes to put it on himself. He looked at the waiter and raised an eyebrow. Got it? The waiter smiled. I believe so, and a cocktail. Luca laughed. Anything blue? Very good. The waiter walked off. As he did so, both Michael and Luca laughed. His face wasn't used to dealing with customers, such as them. Not that they were bad people, just a different class. Still, their money was as good as anyone else's. Cash, so tough. When the waiter was out of the shop, Michael asked, I think it is just going to be us tonight. Luca frowned, unsure what Michael was suggesting. What do you mean? I mean, just the two of us. You haven't invited any of our friends to come by and have a drink in the bar. I don't really see them drinking here, Michael explained with a laugh. I always wondered what you were applying, Luca. Said sheepishly, No, I haven't invited any of your friends for a drink. He said, Is that a problem? Quite birthday. With just you, I'm happy with that. Again, Luca smiled sheepishly. There was one more surprise to come, but now was the time to say what it was. Being a few more drinks before that cat bat was out, let out the bag. You don't do this thing really nearly enough, or nearly often enough, Michael said. Luca laughed. Yeah, because I can't bloody fold it. Michael looked at him disapprovingly and pointed out, we could have gone somewhere cheaper. I'm teasing, shut up. Michael said, anyway, I didn't mean staying somewhere like this as such. I just meant skating away. You know, just the two of us. Luca smiled. He was a nice one. If only it was that easy. Work and life in general uh, made it somewhat tricky. Just drop everything and get away. Two, the receptionist hung the phone up and turned back to the pretty dark-haired girl standing on the other side of the desk. I'm sorry, there's no answer, the receptionist said. The lady, Vessia, sighed. Can you tell me the room number? I'll go up. I'm inspected. Avesia spoke. She did so with a Greek accent. I'm sorry, but you can't we can't give you the room number without the guest's permission. Receptionist added, If you have given if you can give them a call on your mobile, they might be able to tell you the room number over the phone, arrange to meet you somewhere. Vessia looked at the employee in disbelief. Not answering their phone. Receptionist didn't know what to say. She just shrugged and ended up saying Sorry, it was clear from the expression on her face there was more, there was more she wanted to say. Are you sure he's actually your friend? Wanted to see you here? Maybe he's just on the winder. Perhaps he's just another punt of wasting a time of a desperate whore. Not that Vesta was a whore. Vesia was a whore. She was invited down to... Hence his husband made the effort dressing up, though with a short black dress he was wearing, heavily made up face. It's fair to say, say why, 
see why the receptionist might have thought she would charge by the hour, especially as she couldn't get hold of her friend all of a sudden. Then the fact it was an expensive deal. The staff were used to seeing hookers come and go, although usually they were more discreet.